complacency on the part of the investor at this point in time, I think is going to end up with some pretty bad results. This is Money Conscious from Millstone Evans Group. I'm your host, Sasha Millstone. Join me as we discuss investing, financial planning, and life. Visit us at millstoneevansgroup.com. And thanks for joining us. I'm excited to kick off 2023 with one of our most popular guests in 2022, Mike Gibbs, formerly head of portfolio and technical strategy, now a new name change with the new year to lead portfolio manager with Gibbs Capital Management, a division of Raymond James Investment Management. Mike's got 37 years experience as chief equity strategist and portfolio manager And he's written some very interesting research pieces and opinion pieces about his outlook for 2023. So let's dive right in, Mike. Welcome. So happy to have you. Thank you. Great to be back. Let's start with just uh, revisiting the difference between technical and fundamental analysis for our clients and just talk about how you use both when you're thinking about what the market's going to do. Yeah, it's a good topic to always discuss because, you know, when you're investing, the most important thing is what we call fundamental analysis. That's basically, is the economy growing or not? Because that influences corporate profits. And then from a fundamental standpoint, you're picking individual companies within the market based on their business model. Is it executing? Is it growing? Uh, Is it producing results that can produce a stock price that can go up better than the overall market? So the fundamentals are the most important thing to drive long-term performance. But then the technical analysis comes in. And technical analysis is basically just paying attention to where the money flows are taking place in the marketplace. And that's important because stocks are forward-looking instruments. They're always looking down the road. And if you're looking at the technicals or the movements of the money, where it's what is it moving the consumer stocks? Is it moving the energy stocks? How is the market trading relative to what's going on with interest rates? So the technical side really completes the process and drives you and and influences your daily decision making. And that's where they come together because the technicals often spot the fundamentals or where the fundamentals are going to be in the coming three, six or 12 months. So I hope that helps to sort of understand how it's almost like playing a piano with one hand or two hands. You know, one hand is fundamentals. Two hands is when you add the technicals in there. And we'd rather have both hands, especially at a time like this. For sure. The Fed's been raising interest rates for most of 2022. And Jerome Powell's message has been pretty consistent They plan to keep rates high until they see a drop in inflation. But at this point, the market has priced in at least some of this bad news, hasn't it? Oh, by all means. Yeah, you know, 2022 was the year of the Fed tightening cycle. And after the unprecedented loosening or lowering of interest rates and flooding the market with liquidity to get us through the pandemic, to exit the other side and get us back to more normal with interest rates and, and, and the, the, the Fed's balance sheet, we were going to have some uncertainty and volatility. 
And that's what 2022 was because the Fed started raising interest rates. It wasn't a perfect scenario. Inflation was a little stickier than we anticipated. The Fed, you know, had to talk us through it that they were going to have to raise rates a little bit higher and maybe longer than any expected. And, and we had a bear market. 2023 is going to be a year of transition as well. And the transition this year will be the Fed is going to stop the raising cycle. They got a little bit more movement on the upside with interest rates, but at some point this year, they're going to halt it and they're going to wait and see what their movement of interest rates has done. And you always have to remember that there is a lag effect. When they raise rates, you don't feel it in the economy until the future. And the range could be anywhere from nine to 18 months that you're going to feel it in the economy. So based on them raising rates in March of last year, we're going to feel it all the way through the fall of this year. And so they probably are close to a point where they're comfortable that they've gotten rates almost high enough. So they will get to the point where they stop. And so this is going to be that year of transition with that. And I think like 2022, the focus will continue to be on the Fed. But we as investors are going to transition from wondering you know, how high the Fed has to go and if, if inflation will truly moderate to we're going to start focusing on the economy and corporate profits as the year goes on. So that's the things we're going to focus on. And we can talk about more what the impacts can be as the year progresses, but I'm going to turn it back to you and, and let you follow up with questions on that. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going on that is what you're saying is that the way I interpret it at least is that we may see companies start to cut their earnings estimates. Their earnings estimates might be too high for this year. Is that what you're expecting? Yeah, I think it's going to happen throughout the whole year. And if you think if you think about this logically, remember the mother's milk of the stock market is corporate profits. That's earnings. And the main fuel for corporate profits or earnings is the economy. And if the Fed raising interest rates will slow the economy over a period of nine to 18 months, it's only common sense that the, the companies are going to feel that impact from a corporate profitability standpoint. So we're starting to see it now when I'm looking at individual companies, every company out there, you're, you're seeing the expected earnings, uh, the forward earnings being revised lower. And we think that'll be a trend for a lot of this year. There's two things. Number one, the macro is affecting their corporate profits, but then also they're probably getting to the point where their ability to raise price is going to run into a ceiling. And remember, a company can be profitable in an inflationary environment because they, they, they raise prices. And a lot of times they raise prices at a rate higher than their costs are going up. So they do make more profits. They're probably coming to a ceiling there. So yes, we are going to see corporate profitability come down this year. But there again, as we think about that, you mentioned earlier, you know, how much is this market discounted? Everyone knows that corporate profits are going to be coming down. And we had a market that went down 20% last year. So a lot of that probably has been discounted when you look at the market itself. You wrote in your outlook piece, I believe, that you do expect to see a mild recession this year. Would you chat about that a bit? Yeah, you know, our chief economist at Raymond James is penciling in a recession beginning in the second, second, third quarter, somewhere in that range, and that it should be mild. And based on that, we factored that into our outlook, into our earnings model for the S&P 500. And, 
You know, I'm not really sure if we get a technical recession or not, if it matters. The economy's going to slow. And as the economy slows, you see the trickle effect through the stock market itself and through corporate profitability. So the thing I think that the clients need to, to understand is that, you know, when we go through the words of recession and bear market, it, it, it strikes fear into the client when the reality of it is it probably shouldn't because that's just the world that we live in, in the economy and the stock market itself. We will go through these periods. And when we go through these periods, understanding that the market looks into the future, in other words, it discounts it. Last year, we were down 26% at the low, 20% for the full year. So the market priced in a lot of that, that economic slowing. Now, this particular period now, this is the most important thing that the client should focus on at this point in time. What we do as investors is we have a tendency to think about the most recent periods that occurred are going to reoccur. And I want you to forget about the pandemic recession. That's a one-off. But go back and think about the credit crisis recession and then the 2000 to 2002 recession. And clients are going to think and be fearful that, okay, if we have a recession, should the stock market go down 50% like it did in those two periods? And the answer to that is no, because those two periods were very different. Well, first of all, the 2008 period was a very deep economic contraction because we really destroyed two of the most important things of our economy, the housing market and the banking system. And then in the 2000 period of time, we had overcapitalized. We lent money to companies that did not deserve to have money lent to them in the tech bubble. We lent, if you had dot-com behind your name, it was easy to raise capital. You did not have a good business and that trickles through the economy. So those were pretty negative periods and that's why the stock market went down so much. Now think about today. Today, we got an extremely healthy job market. We have consumers with more cash than they typically have had in recessionary periods. Consumers today are only spending about nine and a half percent of their disposable income to service their debt. In the credit crisis, they were they were spending about 13, 13 and a half percent. So this is a sounder economy. And also, if we go through an economic contraction here, it's simply because we went through a pandemic. And we have a world that's trying to normalize. And as it normalizes, you're going to have some things that aren't just perfect. And the things that were just not perfect this time is we got too much demand in certain areas and it created inflation. We had too little supply in certain areas. It created inflation. We had inflation that came into our labor market because we had a disconnect of the workers available and the jobs available. And those things will work themselves out. Those are not structural issues that are deeper issues like we had in those two previous periods. So yes, long-winded answer there, but yes, mild recession is a very high probability this year. As an investor, do not let that cause you unusual angst. The market went down 26% last year at its low point. In your average recessionary bear market, you typically go down 33%. So mild recession, we were down almost what we typically go through in a normal recession. You know, we probably priced in a lot of recessionary conditions in the market last year. So don't spend a lot of time looking backwards. Let's spend our time looking forward on exiting the other side. That's such great advice because you're right that these structural things like 
in 2008 when both companies and many individuals had too much debt. That does not apply at all right now. In fact, it's the opposite. Consumers have less debt and companies have less debt than is normal, quote unquote, normal historically. So we're in very good shape. And then the labor market it just is continuing to show a lot of strength. I think that one aspect of market behavior that can be confusing for clients, Mike, is that markets do look forward. You know, when we're talking about what's priced in, that's another way of saying markets look forward. They see what they think is coming and they already react to it before it actually happens a lot of times or before the statistics perhaps is a better way to show to say it before the statistics show that it's happened and so markets go down before the news hits its worst point and they often go up before good news is really apparent do you want to talk about that a little bit i do i do and that's that's probably one of the most important things because Complacency on the part of the investor at this point in time, I think is going to end up with some pretty bad results. So I think investors don't need to focus too much on what they can see today. In other words, inflation is still high. Uh, the Fed's still raising rates. I think you're almost looking backwards. You got to look forward. And the best example I can give you, the early 80s, the early 1980s, and it's a period similar to today. We had very high inflation. We had a Fed. We had a Fed that was raising interest rates very aggressively to try to kill it. Paul Volcker killed the economy. We had a double dip recession in the early 1980s. All right, from the peak uh, for the last bear market that we had that ended in, in 82, the market went down 27 percent, and it's because the Fed had been raising interest rates, and they were telling us interest rates had to go up to try to kill inflation. What happened was Paul Volcker hinted, he did not lower rates, he just hinted that it was the potential time to start loosening policy. In other words, let's quit raising rates and we might even be able to lower rates. You know how fast stocks went back to a, to a high? Four months. It took them four months to get back to a high. And so that stocks can move rather quickly when things do transition. And you saw it in 2022 where the market transitioned. We were all in this mode where the Fed, Fed was cutting rates. Easy money was out there. And all of a sudden, early January of last year, the Fed told us that it was time to start raising rates. And that got us going in the wrong direction with stocks. And then all of a sudden, we had a scenario where uh -oh, inflation stayed a little higher and the Fed was going to raise it a little higher. So we had that bear market type year. We're transitioning, as I mentioned before, in 2023 as well. And remember what happened back then when Volcker did hint that, that they could lower rates and stocks took off in a hurry. So they can move very dramatically and they can move fast. So I think that don't try to get the timing just right. If you're sitting there with idle cash or, or specifically a significant amount of idle cash and your investment horizon is beyond a year, two or three years. You know, I just don't think that you have to sit and try to get too cute with it. Another thing to think about, and this is important also, if I take you back to all the bear markets, all the recessionary bear markets back to them to the early 1950s. And from those low points, 
the average time to get back to a new high. And remember, as a stock market investor, you know you're going to have bear markets. Your, your portfolio is going to go down on paper. But then you also know that it's going to go back up when the economy heals and corporate profits start growing again. All right. Out of all of those bear markets, going back to the early 1950s, you were back to a new high in your portfolio or in the stock market itself within 24 months on average. Do you know when 24 months would be? January 2024. And the high for the S&P 500 was above 4,800. We're at 3,900 and change today. Now, I'm not telling you, and that's not my forecast, that we go back to 4,800 by that point in time. I'm just letting you know that after doing this for 37 years, ignoring the tendencies and the historical tendencies of the market and the averages is a, a foolish thing to do. You have to honor them, pay attention to them, and you have to understand that the market's going to do whatever it has to do to fool the majority of the people the majority of the time. And therefore, no matter what you think today that you think is visible on inflation, the Fed, et cetera, et cetera, that you can get surprises on the other side. And especially as a long-term investor, you know, it just does not bode well for those who, who try to time things too aggressively. And I think if people think about their own experience with their 401k plans, for example, that can really be a good guide because nobody or very few people, none of my clients that I know of, stop and start their 401k plans based on what the market is doing. They just keep investing every paycheck in their 401k plans. And so what happens is dollar cost averaging. If you keep putting basically the same amount in every other week, by the end of the year, you're going to have a lower than average price for the whole year. You don't have to time things. So maybe this is a good time for people to think about doing some dollar cost averaging here in the first quarter or the first half of this year. What do you think, Mike? I would think so. Yeah, there again, and you have to look at your investments. So what are you trying to do? And, and I'll tell you what I do, 37 years in the business. I've never made one timing call in my 401k in 37 years. Right, me either. <laughs> and I do very little timing calls in my overall portfolio as well, just because I am a long-term believer in capitalism, the U.S. economy, et cetera, et cetera, the companies within the U.S. economy. And I'm a longer-term investor. So when I look at a year like 2022, and I see that, that stocks were down 20% and 26% at their low, the fear in me is extremely low. I think that I've already priced in a lot. I've gone through a bear market. And I know on the other side of bear markets are bull markets. So I'm really looking at where my portfolio is going to be two, three, four years. And I see it substantially higher than it is today. And so, yeah, I'm a buyer. I'm a dollar cost averager, whatever you need to do to, to keep you engaged in the market. I definitely think that you do that now. And I think you do that as the year develops and to continue to do it, you know, over an extended period of time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also wonder if you have some thoughts about the bond market, because we have an odd situation where shorter term rates are actually a little bit higher than longer term rates, but longer term rates are higher than they were. And so it seems like this would be a good time for people to buy some of those longer term bonds this year. 
Yeah, bear in mind, I'm a stock market investor. Uh, I'm not the bond strategist for the firm, but I am an individual investor. And think of it this way. We began the year and the 10-year treasury yielded 1.5%. It's currently at 4.2. I think the 10-year peaked at 4.2. So all of a sudden, for the first time in a long time, bonds to me are an interesting and compelling investment. And specifically for people that are asset allocating and need that type of security in their portfolio, I think you've gotten an opportunity to invest money. And I do think that that your point about the longer term versus the short term is, is important. Don't be fooled and feel like you need to put all your money in these short term instruments because they yield a little bit more. Remember what happens with the markets over a long period of time in a period of normalcy. And this is not normalcy because we're transitioning, but normalcy, your shorter term yields are going to be lower than your longer term yields. Mm -hmm. And that's just because you're investing money for a shorter period of time. So you only get a lower return on your money. At weird periods like now when you're transitioning, you can get those shorter term yields that are higher. But when those shorter term yields are higher than those longer term yields, it's often a signal that, yeah, you're going to have some economic weakness at some point down the road. And remember, in periods of economic weakness, the central bank, the Fed, typically starts lowering interest rates. The only rates they can truly control are those short term rates. So let's just go through this scenario. And I'm not saying this is exactly what plays out. The odds are pretty high that it could, but this may not be the exact scenario. But let's just say that inflation does moderate, which we think it does throughout the year and into next year. And we do think that the economy can slow because the Fed's raised interest rates. In a perfect scenario, you'll go through a period to where the the Fed gets comfortable that inflation is moderated. And then they will look at the, the economy and see the economy slowing and then they will be spurred to lower interest rates and they lower those short-term rates. And therefore the short-term rates and the long-term rates can come, come down. So let's say you invested your money today for two years. And let's say we go through that period of normalcy and let's say you get that 4.7% yield on that two-year treasury. Well, what happens in two years when your money matures? The odds are probably pretty high that that 4.7 is gonna be lower and you're going to have to reinvest that money at a lower rate. Whereas if you locked in the higher yield today out for 10 years, you'd still have that higher yield. So the point that's being made there is that, yeah, you know, don't think you have to buy the shorter yield just because it's a higher yield. Think about where it's going to happen over the next 10 years. And the attractiveness of some of those 10-year rates, I think, are compelling for investors that have the availability in their portfolios to add a little bit in fixed income. Yeah. And by the way, going through last year, I will say that clients who had good dividend paying stocks and even bond income, even though the bonds went down in value and some of the stocks went down in value, that income coming in made a difference in their in their returns for the portfolio. So it is also having an income stream can be a hedge against falling prices sometimes. Well, of course. That's why if you go back and look historically, you know, the stock market itself, you have long-term returns are 10%. 7% of that is price. The rest of it's dividends, you know, and you're reinvesting in dividends. And bonds historically, they weren't last year. Like You're going to have one-off years over a long period of time, but bonds historically are that stabilizing bar in your portfolio. And one of the reasons is because they deliver that cash payment 
those interest payments that come in. So yeah, that you know that's the key to investing in those items and why they are very compelling long-term investments is because they do deliver you cash on a regular basis. So to sort of sum up, Mike, it sounds to me, and please elaborate, that you're saying this is the time to really get reinvested. If you're holding cash, get it invested. Think about where you want to be in the next couple of years. Don't be shy. You can take a little time to work your way into the markets, but don't take too long. Am I summarizing that correctly? You are. You really are. And then you also have to realize the humility of the markets in that even us professionals who all who have all the information and the tools to work with, you know, we have to admit our humility as well. And our humility tells us that for us to get the timing exactly right over a one month, three month, six month, or a lot of times even 12 month period of time is still difficult. But if we look at two, three, four, five years down the road, our, our odds of being successful in the stock market are so much higher. And therefore, I don't get overly consumed with what might happen in the next three to six months. I'm more consumed with what might happen over the next three to five years. And from that, I go into investing money today if I have idle cash without even one ounce of worry. So I think that, yes, yes, don't sit on the sidelines too long. Do invest some money. This is where you talk with your advisor. A lot of it depends on how much of your portfolio is in cash, what percentage of the overall portfolio. That's our job to help you execute that and tell you at what pace to get that money invested. Do you have any parting words for our audience that you would like to share today, Mike? Nothing other than reiterating you know, some of the items that we talked about, understanding that the markets are such a forward-looking instrument. And often when the headlines tell the average person that they should be defensive or not do anything, the market is typically gotcha. And the market, like I said, it's set up to fool the majority of the people the majority of the time. And I think in environments like that is where you really try to lean on all of us that have studied this for years and sort of follow us when we're trying to focus you on the long term rather than the confusing headlines that could be developing in the near term. And I think if you do that and not press yourself to get it exactly right over a short period of time, you can not only be a very successful investor, but you also can be the type of individual investor that doesn't have to worry about it. And that's so very important. You don't want this to overly consume you, cause you to lose any sleep, cause you to overthink it or anything like that. And I think that that's where you lean on us. And I think if you look to the long term, uh, that you will, you will be successful. Yeah, that's great advice. And I just want people to, keep in their mind the story that you told about the Volcker situation and how fast things turned around when they did. And that is just a textbook example of why you can't really wait. You, you have to execute the strategy. Mike, thank you so much for your time today. I love chatting with you. I always learn something. The material you put out is fantastic. And I just want to thank you and wish you a very good 2023. 
Thank you so much. Same to you and your clients. And it's a privilege for me and, and uh, to, to speak with all of you. And, and uh, we do look forward to a good 2023. Thanks for listening to Money Conscious. Visit us at millstoneovensgroup.com. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Sasha Millstone. Sasha Millstone is the president and an investment advisor with the Millstone Evans Group, a registered investment advisor located in Colorado. All opinions expressed by Sasha and her podcast guests on this show are their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Millstone Evans Group. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.